at the beginning, the runners don't know which nurse is ready. So I asked the nurse, what would you do? One of them came forward and says, Lily, if we can have a green and yellow sign on each of our stations on the, on the screen, I think that will help our runners to see if I'm ready. Because when I'm not with patient, that's not me, I'm ready. I'm drawing the vaccines. I'm filling the, uh, the immunization cards. Does that mean I'm ready? So I'm tired of he keep asking me, so can I just put up a sign? So the traffic control, the traffic light signal helped our team tremendously. Also, they're so encouraged. Oh, we can do the small things to make our day way better. So that's the first um, very, very small test of the experiment of lean uh, process improvement uh, for the vaccine site. Hi everyone, I'm Tracy O'Rourke. And I'm Elizabeth Swan. And we are from the Just In Time Cafe and welcome to our podcast at the cafe. We wrestle with tough questions. We talk to thought leaders. We discuss great books and get insights from Lean Six Sigma practitioners. We let you in on helpful apps. We bring you the news and we challenge the status quo so you can build your problem solving muscles. Hey, Elizabeth, spring has sprung here at the cafe. What's on today's menu? Oh man, I am psyched about this. Today's highlight is our interview with Brian Hand and Lily Angelosi of UC San Diego Health. We're gonna grill them about their success with applying lean practices to healthcare and what they learned from their rapid setup of vaccine superstations. We'll let you in on an app that allows you to do real-time polling, and other cutting edge audience engagement techniques and for Q&A, we'll address the fact that reading a book does not guarantee that you remember anything that you read and what you can do about that. It's a great day at the cafe, Tracy. Up next, it's Hot Apps. This is not a new app, but it's getting newer to me and I'm starting to see its power. How about you? Absolutely. And with the pandemic in full swing for more than a year now, we have found this is one of the few fun apps. Well, there's actually a lot of fun apps that boost engagement in virtual environments. We're seeing more of them too. And it's called Mentimeter. So informally, it's called Menti. It does some pretty cool things. I was exposed to it during a Women in Lean interchange. So the interchange is a full day event with a series of presentations from women from diverse backgrounds and process improvement experience. And the presentations come in various formats such as gallery walks and lightning talks. And the presenters share tools, concepts, ideas, different apps and valuable resources. I love the interchange. Mm -hmm. And during one of the presentations, a colleague used Menti to create a live word cloud. So we watched it morph. They asked us a question and then we watched it morph and build as people added these descriptive words. And word clouds are also known as Wordle, which I didn't know, or a word collage or a tag cloud. And they're visual representations using words as raw data. So the words used most frequently get displayed larger in size. And guess what else, Elizabeth? There's a profanity filter built in. So you can use word clouds for icebreakers, reflection, or idea generation, and you don't have to worry about the bad words. 
But there's a lot of other things the Mentimeter can do. What else did you discover about it, Elizabeth? I discovered it's got a lot of power. It gives you the ability to generate questions. You can assign polls. You can get image feedback. You can create matrices. It's got a lot of options for engagement, which is huge for us, for educators. There's a free version where you get up to two questions, uh, two question slides, and then uh, up to five quiz slides. There's a basic version for $99 per presenter per month. There's a pro version for $24.99 a month per presenter where each version adds you know, a few more bells and whistles. One thing that it had that I'd like to try is called an action priority matrix. And it lets you involve participants in determining what topics to address first, right? If you're working on things, what should we address? What should we go after first? What's the order? Uh, lean author, thought leader, Mark Graben used Menti when he did a presentation recently at the Just In Time Cafe, just a few weeks ago. He did an interesting thing with Menti where he had us create before and afterward clouds. I had never seen that. He was checking to see the shift in our thinking once he gave us critical info. And I'll include the link to his video so you can see examples of Menti in action. It's kind of cool. Okay, that sounds great. I think you said the basic version was $99, but I think you meant to say that it's $9.99 per presenter per if month. If you're anyone Just on a budget, clarify. it's much cheaper than $99. It's <laughs> $9.99 when it's not free. When it's not free. So we'll include the link so you can check it out. Thanks, Tracy. I'm Elizabeth Swan, and you're listening to the Just in Time Cafe podcast. In a short while, you'll get to hear our interview with Brian Hand and Lily Angelosi. You'll hear about Lily's healthcare experience and Brian's background at the Toyota Numi plant and how the transformational healthcare team is influencing UC San Diego Health setup for the vaccination sites in San Diego. Next up, it's a question we pose to our community. How do you remember what you've read? So this is what I've experienced. Even when I read great books, I forget them. People ask me, what do you like about that book? I'm like, oh, it was great. There's this whole section on um, education. Uh, it's just so good. You know, <laughs> I end up being incredibly inarticulate about it. And I read a book by Benedict Carey called How We Learn. And he quoted research that was eye-opening for me. He said, highlighting, you know how you take your little yellow pen or whatever to highlight sections you think are important. It does nothing for retention. You have to write things down. And I write things down because I write everything down, but I also was writing book reviews. I wanted to understand what my colleagues were writing. And if I wrote a book review, then I really understood their book, but that takes a lot of time. I don't have time to write book reviews all the time. So I started writing in my books. I put icons like a light bulb that when they gave me an idea and I wanted to do something about it, I put a megaphone to say, here's a quote that I love and I don't want to forget. I put down little boxes with to do saying, this is, this is sparking my idea or any kind of takeaway. So I just started writing in my books. I think that's a great, a great best practice. And I have found that I will remember things more from books made of paper, physical books. I seem to have a better affinity of not only reviewing them, but I read more, I retain more. And I've just noticed that the online books 
I don't, uh, I don't have as much retention. And I think part of it is because I'm always in front of a computer all day. And the last thing I want to do is be on another screen to try to read a book and relax. So it's much better to sit in a hammock and turn those pages. I know it's kind of showing my age, but I'm just like you, I don't have an affinity for eBooks. I have read them. I've used the comments so I can write in them, but then I have to go find the thing on the computer, unearth my comments. I'd rather be able to just pull it out of my bookshelf and look at what's in there. Or as you say, jump in a hammock and, and relax with it. So yeah, I'm never getting away from, from the actual book. So I posted that question online because I'm curious, what does everybody else do? This, this has to be a universal problem. And I heard great antidotes to remembering what you read or antidotes to forgetting. So some people have book clubs to discuss what they get out of the books. Uh, Lean Thought Leader Leslie Henkler of Paycheck, she has people teach chapters within the club. I love that. Uh, Karen Ross, the author of Toyota Way to Service Excellence, uses color-coded stickies to capture her learnings. And I like her description. It looks like very colorful hair sticking out of the top of her books. Mm -hmm. uh, leadership coach Dorsey Sherman says she writes in all her books. And she also dog ears. And she uses page flaps because she says, quote, ink makes you think. And I love that quote. I think it was from Mark Rosenthal, but I love that. It's, it's really how I live. I write everything down. Japan Lean Study Trip and author Katie Anderson says she uses the Notes app in her phone to capture her thoughts in her latest book, Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn. And she created a separate workbook to drive home the teaching so people can write in the workbook. Now that is a good idea. Uh, Mita Sherwood, she does, uh, she does summaries of books. She's a performance improvement coach. I like the idea of just a quick summary. Does it have to be an entire book review? Summary could help. Um, the advice that I plan on using the most came from two different sources. Sunitha Narayanan, leadership impact coach, referenced the integration guide by Brene Brown. There's section for quotes, definitions, key learnings. She leaves you room to make your own categories and create your own index in the book to keep track of what you got. Uh, operations exec Eris, Eric Lucier also creates his own custom index in the back of the book with page numbers referencing the content. And he learned that from author Tim Sanders. A lot of tips. These were great. I was so happy I asked. Yeah, a lot of tips. And I'll just share that one of my things is to teach it. So in our classes, when we teach Greenbelt, if I found a book that I read that I love, I will speak to it in class. And there was one book that really moved me and that I used a lot. It was called the, It was called Switch by the Heath Brothers. I ended up creating slides based on some of the concepts they shared. And that, of course, helps solidify learning a great deal if you're teaching it to someone. But I think what's interesting is I haven't taught it in a while. And if I had to rattle off what those key concepts were right now, I think I would have to review my notes. <laughs> You're making me want to go back and read Heath Brother books. They're so good. They really are. I'm Tracy O'Rourke. You're listening to the Just In Time Cafe podcast. We host these monthly, so don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, or the JIT Cafe YouTube channel where you can watch the video version. Coming up next, it's our featured guests. Not everyone knows what happens at UC San Diego Health. Tracy, can you fill us in and tell us a little bit more about Brian Hand and Lily Angelosi? 
Absolutely. So Brian Han and Lily Angelosi are joining us today. They are both on the Transformational Healthcare Team or the THT at UCSD Health. They started on their healthcare journey back in 2017, and they have made some significant progress over the last three and a half years. We'll get the inside scoop of how they are applying lean and the impact on the vaccine superstations and how during a time of crisis, the organization leaned in to lean at a time when it would have been easy to put lean on the back burner. Elizabeth and I would like to welcome some people who have made a huge difference in healthcare and in our San Diego community, Lily Angelosi and Brian Hand of UCSD Health. Welcome to the cafe. Thank, Thank you. you. We are so excited to have you both and very excited to introduce you to the world because I'm a huge fan of what you guys are doing at UCSD Health. And so I would love our audience to know a little bit about you. So Lily, can you t tell the audience a little bit about what you do at UCSD Health and a yes. little bit about your background too? Okay. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Elizabeth. That uh, I am Lily Angelosi. I'm a leading healthcare coach at UCSD Health. Being here for eight years, still enjoy every day. I have to say, I love my job. And I've been in healthcare for 15 years. And I think this current coach, coaching role, really mingle all of the ingredients I learned together. I am uh, cooking the best dishes I can now to be able to deliver lean, uh, the principle day to day to bring our people along with ourselves to de develop the people, our problem solvers every day. That is my dream come true. I love it. Thank you, mm. Lily. I love That's my nice. job too. Mm. How about you, Brian? Can you share a little bit about, about your background? And of course, I have to insert that you were at New Me too. So you have to talk about that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, love to. So uh, yeah, my background started off actually in, in the auto industry, working for New United Motors or New Me uh, back in the 90s. And uh, after 26 years, I spent, again, many, many years in New Me, different roles, um, supporting suppliers throughout North America, um, with all these lean concepts and developing lean systems to be able to supply parts to us just in time, high quality at the right price. Um, after that, I served a couple of different roles such as engineering within the plant. And then I got uh, a call to come down to Southern California to work for Pratt & Whitney in Aerospace, basically taking my lean skills uh, to Pratt & Whitney where I served as the site manager uh, for their process improvement for several years. Uh, I had a calling though to get into healthcare and an opportunity opened up at UCLA to get into healthcare and apply my, my skills and uh, knowledge at UCLA. So I spent several years there. Most of it was inpatient, a little bit uh, outpatient, but mainly inpatient doing all sorts of uh, uh, improvement projects, teaching, training. And then I was recruited up to Sutter Health up in Northern California, where I spent a few more years at Ambulatory and then back on down to Southern California, where I worked for Scripps for many years. And then now most recently, the last three years at UC San Diego Health, where I'm also a coach like Lily in supporting the organization with our transformational activities. Brian, how did you make that transition? Because obviously knew me that it's a huge uh, hybrid project with Toyota uh, in the US. How did you transition from 
you know, Toyota into healthcare? Like what you said you had a calling. So I'm just curious about that. What, what helped you make that leap? So, yeah, great question. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, for many years, I've always kind of been highly, very interested in healthcare and uh, always that inquisitive mindset, how things work. When I go to the doctor, I'm one of those patients that uh, the doctor saying, can you leave now? A lot of questions there, how things work. But uh, so um, so basically, yeah, I was, I was ready for a change after many years of manufacturing. And uh, however, that, that transition wasn't easy um, because I wasn't one of them, healthcare. And uh, back in the day, it was a little more difficult if you weren't a nurse or hadn't grown up in the health system to make that transition. Uh, however, at UCLA at the time, uh, one of the leaders, Amir Rubin, uh, the COO was looking to start a, a lean team up to create a transformation throughout UCLA. And they're actually looking for folks that were non-healthcare to sort of bring a paradigm shift to the organization and to change things up. And so that's really was my opportunity. Um, again, that transition into healthcare, once I got that offer and started, again, just going through those, those you know, having to prove yourself uh, and having to really understand and spend the time in understanding what is healthcare about, what motivates uh, people that work there, the nurses, the, the physicians, the surgeons. And at the end of the day, it's still, it's all about people and process. And I learned quickly though, through humility is to learn from others initially. Um, and then uh, at some point they start really leaning to, uh, looking to you for support and, and help to help transform. But it really starts off with establishing that trust and that relationship in a new environment, not coming in there as the subject matter expert, but really be humble uh, and listening um, and learning and uh, in, in really what healthcare is all about and what folks do. Um, and then at some point though, um, start to transition in, in teaching them uh, what we do know and start to share and cascade information and knowledge uh, back their way to make their jobs easier and to be able to help them care for their patients in new ways that they have not been able to do uh, in, in years. So I also know by working with Brian for a while that he has a really great story younger when he was younger in his uh, earlier life that he did have an encounter with a severe accident and ended up with our in our ICU in UCSD Health. Oh, well, you have to share that for us, if you don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind. So back in, in the... Uh, Right before I started actually working at New United Motors, I was in a fatal car accident and lost a sister. And um, I think, you know, sometimes those, those are those pivots in life where you start kind of rethinking what's important. And uh, I think that's always been in the back of my mind is how, how do I help to change the world in a better way? And so uh, I think that's always in my head, in my mind, and how I approach my work is again with humility and, and understanding at the end of the day, what's really important, right? It's not to perhaps push out one more item or to get something done, but how we do it. Um, and to be able to uh, share my experiences and to be able to help every person that I encounter to fulfill their purpose in life. And that's really what I think drives me uh, in everything I do. That's an incredible <laughs> cycle. Uh, you know, to have that pivotal moment happen and involve um, UC San Diego Health and then your own journey taking you now back uh, as you, you know, sort of bring that, uh, that goal to fruition, what you wanted to do, what you 
felt compelled to do by that moment in time. That's a really moving story. And thank you for that. Yes, thank you. I am listening to you talk. Um, I had a similar experience. That's actually what prompted me to move into process improvement as well. My, my mother died at a very young age, unexpectedly. And, um, I was just starting my process improvement career and decided life is too short. And I didn't want to spend any time doing something I really wasn't passionate about. And so she led me to the path really of process improvement. So, um, I'm familiar. This is is very different and personal uh, situations for all of us, but I'm familiar with finding your passion and and I can really appreciate that. So thank you. You're welcome. So I would love to hear about your journey so far on the THT team with uh, Ashley Gambier leading the way. What, uh, so I've known Lily for about six years. I um, was speaking with Ashley when she first was tasked to come to UCSD Health and start the transformation uh, healthcare team. What um, what were you tasked to do and what how is it going so far? Just a quick uh, note, Tracy, can you uh, spell out what THT stands for? Yes, Transformation Healthcare Team is what THT stands for. Thank you. So tell us, how did THT, the Transformation Healthcare Team, uh, what did were they set out to do? What were they tasked to do at UCSD Health? Perfect. If I could, Lily, I'll go ahead and start it up, and I would love for you to kind of add to and, and take us uh, kind of to where we are today. But um, you know, I've been with the group uh, three years now, a little over three years, and uh, Ashley Gambier was really the founder of THT. Um, back in, in like 2017, she had, had been asked by our CEO and other executives to help to start up a, uh, a lean team. Uh, and this is really through her her ambition to improve processes and to connect with people. And so um, one of the first things back in like 2018, when she uh, had, had been there for some time, leading some projects and doing some improvement work, is started forming a team and uh, bringing basically folks from inside that had an interest in improvement, as well as folks like myself and a few others from outside of UC San Diego Health to really create a team that could help to deliver the mission. And the mission that really centers us is to develop 10,000 plus problem solvers in the organization. And uh, so it really started off with assembling of a team. And really the first year, uh, THT spent quite a bit of time um, initially developing the infrastructure. We had nothing, but many people came from different backgrounds or or different places throughout UC San Diego Health with different experiences. And uh, one of our first challenges really was to create the, the one way, the methodologies that we felt um, that we should we should um, anchor our process improvement methodologies around again with backgrounds from Stanford, from NUMI, from UC San Diego Health, and, and other areas, is how do we create that one way that we we uh, anchor around? And so that was really the first uh, year is developing standard work for running RPIWs, developing training materials, um, and we do have currently um, a lean. Six Sigma belting process that we developed from scratch and just um, it, it's been, you know, again, evolving. And, and I know you, Tracy, are, have been a big part of that. As well as the daily engagement system. Um, we started off also calling it MDI and, um, um, and then uh, DMS or daily management system. And just even some key terms like calling it daily engagement, people felt much more comfortable. 
that it wasn't so much of a management, but it was an engagement system. So really developing that and deploying it. So every level in the organization feels connected and centered around improvement and aligned to our priorities. And uh, as I mentioned also, was really the development of training materials. So people um, not only knew what to do, but how to do it. And so I'll let, um, Ash, uh, I'll let uh, Lily speak briefly about our training program, which she heads up and how many we uh, currently train per year. So we have a really broad um, range of training programs we, uh, to customize to our really busy clinicians, doctors, nurses, and all the front lines uh, supporting administrative staff. So from ranging from two hours, white belts to all the way, we have a WLP workshop leader program that Brian is leading that will take a leader perhaps up to 18 months to complete that journey to become a RPIW workshop leader, the true lean, lean leader with a mindset. So uh, we put through about six to 800 um, belted uh, <laughs> colleagues each year, which is a really ambitious goal. We could not even imagine that uh, two years ago, even mm -hmm. a year ago. So we, our, our maturity has developed really quickly from like Brian said, was nothing, no teaching materials till now. We create everything customized to UC San Diego health specific customers, specific colleagues and our own conditions. So um, again, our mission and vision, as Brian said, we always focus on people and our top, our patients define value. Whatever we do is to how do we efficiently uh, best way to deliver that value to our patients safely. Uh, Lily, just for clarification, remind me of what that acronym means. Is it RPIW? Oh, Rapid Process Improvement Workshop. Workshop. Oh, okay. That's funny. <laughs> we all have our own versions. Like there's rap, we have rapid yes. improvement event. Uh, so yeah, this is, I just actually wrote a article about just acronyms and how it's our own private languages and we have to share them and decode them for each other. It's a very, great. very good question, Elizabeth. So it's uh, all branched out, I believe, from my little shallow study learning journey here is all branched from the word Japanese or Chinese words Kaizen, the change for better. So it doesn't matter what the size of the workshop, it could be two hour, Bren and I can just go to the site and deliver in a war room. To our doctors. What is a, why we don't have the printout, the patient information right after the surgery in that OR room, how do we connect the dot and then fix that problem on site? The two hour consulting work to all the way, like I said, the workshop leader program that takes 18 months to complete for a, a, a qualified graduate. Um, so the sizes are different, but it's all, doesn't matter the name, RIEs, Kaizen's, uh, RPIWs, it's all branched uh, around uh, this continuous improvement concept. Fantastic. And thank you for laying that out, Lily. That's awesome. And what kinds of successes, you just, you said a bunch of intriguing things about where all these Kaizen's or these rapid improvement events were happening. Uh, what kinds of successes did the transformational health team have? Or can you give us some examples? Sure, I'll start. Uh, my first uh, encounter actually uh, kind of helped me settle the, my foundation learning journey here. First month when I joined THT, I got to uh, shadow or bring the apprentice of Brian's workshop. At the time it's RPW 10, now we're at 20 now. So it's halfway journey. Um, the, the problem 
we tried to solve was a lengthy wait time for our referral process. Once patients have the desire to be treated in our system till we actually have make the first appointment for them, average was about 35 days. Mm-hmm. And think about this, I have a severe disease, I'm not feeling well, and I want to get into our system and I have to wait for 35 days for appointment. And it's average, sometimes can be longer than that. So Brian has uh, led the team to tackle about 40 people sitting in the room, in and out, on the Zoom uh, for a whole week. Let's look at this system, system what, where are some of the gaps are. So my transition from operations, the firefighting mode, let's just get through the day, be the hero. Uh, let's not to get to the root. I don't have time for that. Sitting through that week completely converted me to, wow, this works. Lean actually works. When we have the patient slow down, take a pause, have all the right people together, even in the same room, to go through the process instead of people blaming, it's really easy, go through the silo to really pinpoint, put our fingers and feel that what, where that problem is. End of that rainbow, like our uh, chief surgeon always say, Dr. McHale, his famous quote, end of that rainbow, there's pot of gold, that is our patient. That is our purpose. How do we deliver that gold to that patient? It's our day-to-day mission. Um, so I think that first, uh, first um, really early learning experience from the true leader, true lean leader and mindset uh, helped me a lot to transition from an operational firefighter hero type mm-hmm. to this lean, um, follow the principle, follow the follow the mindset, engage people, engage, uh, develop people too. By the end of the day, it's the people make that difference. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about COVID. It's been a year at least. And what was really interesting about COVID is, you know, being in the, in the process improvement industry, you know, I, I experienced Many people say, oh, we have to stop what we're doing. We can't focus on process improvement anymore because we have to do this other work. And that broke my heart because I was like, wait, what do you mean you're putting it aside? Isn't this when you're supposed to lean in with process improvement? And you guys are a shining example of not saying, oh, we don't have time for this, especially in healthcare. Um, So tell me a little bit about how that worked for you? How did you lean in to lean and Six Sigma process improvement or just process improvement uh, with COVID? Tell us a little bit about how that happened. And I would love to hear about how you applied this to the vaccination stations as well. Yeah, so maybe I could just kind of tee it up and I would love you know, for Lily to share because she spent a tremendous amount of time also in helping stand up and work, work with our operational leaders and frontline staff to develop some amazing processes. But kind of back a year ago, um, you know, the, the mindset was really um, command, command centers because it was a crisis at the time, as Lily had shared with, you know, patients coming from Wuhan, uh, China into our system. And uh, again, we activated our, our, our uh, incident command centers and um, just like we would with some other kind of um, big emergencies. And uh, I noticed we were very reactive, um, but again, this is what we had done in the past. And uh, as we looked around and seeing people work long hours, uh, 
all trying to do the right things, we, we started looking, noticing opportunities to apply many of these lean principles and concepts to be able to really create stability, calmness, and control of, of processes. And um, I think that was one of the first things, if you're just looking around a room of a command center where people are running around with many different colored vests and radios and telephones, and we see in the, hey, this is a perfect opportunity to implement our daily engagement system. That was one of our first aha moments. And so we had clarity around um, what, what were the priorities of the day? How do we use visual management to signal what are the priorities? Who's working on what? How do we have daily huddles to basically give updates to understand the status of the work? How are we aligning to the priorities of the organization? Whether it's patient census, quality, safety, supplies, even masks, looking back, you know, there was the big concern around supplies as we look at um, readiness for the day. Do we have supplies and, and, and PPE for our patients? So again, I think that early stage was really, is how do we uh, uh, utilize what we know works uh, for this, this crisis right at the point uh, at that time? And so from that, it really led into how do we start now to redefining our processes that had been uh, set in, um, in place for many, many years that um, perhaps wasn't as effective or efficient now with, with the pandemic. One example of that would be, for example, our traditional seeing patients in clinics. You know, as, as we all know that the social distancing and the concerns around transmission of this virus was real. And uh, one of the things that we began to do was to form teams. And again, I know Lily just talked about Kaizans or rapid process improvement workshops. Well, we use that same methodology with our leaders that had been through our training programs and, and um, learned quickly that we have to rethink our processes. How do we care for our patients using perhaps new methodologies or, or processes? And so this was things such as telehealth, you know, being in an academic medical center a teaching hospital, that's something that we really had done very little of, but how do we put that in motion? And with literally within weeks, with a week uh, to two weeks, we're able to see about 80% of our patients with new, new methods that we hadn't done in 50 years using our lead methodologies um, and, and, and having new breakthrough ideas. Um, that really led into how we began to do our COVID um, testing, which was a big part, understanding, you know, are we, are we safe? And one of the requirements was to have our, our, our COVID testing for all employees. But I'll let um, Lily perhaps talk about how we transition in uh, using lean methodologies to set up uh, some of our, our testing facilities, such as the ECOB uh, facility. Lily, could you kind of share about that? Yeah, so that's the beginning of our journey for vaccinations. Right, so that's a big celebration as human being. We finally find a cure or at least layer of protection toward this fierce virus that we're still studying every day uh, based on the nationwide data. So the ECOP, we, we set up a conference room. How do we deliver this vaccine? This is a really good example, small work cell flow example of laying that how we flow the patient through efficiently, still keep the social distance, uh, have the pace, the flow uh, for our 11 or uh, eight to 11 workstations for our uh, nurses to be able to smoothly manage. So uh, smooth out the workflow by starting with appointment slot time, 15 minutes uh, every 
six, uh, six patients every 15 minutes from six in the morning till the close time, five o'clock in the afternoon. So um, I think the, first of all, the, our principle of respect of people and deliver the customer, deliver the value to our customers. That's always kept on our mind of, as a link team. We go in, the, the, the flow is easy, right? Every clinic have a flow. We can just copy and paste the medical uh, doctor's flow uh, from check-in to check-out. And there's caveats though. Uh, we do have to build in the 15 to 30 minutes observation time. And no other clinic need to do that. Usually you get your, your appointment, you leave. So a lot of engagement at the beginning, we, we bring in, we gave the power, we share the power as a LinkedIn, we step in and we ask our nurses, you are the expert. How would you, what is your ideal time, ideal way to deliver this shot? Simply put, it's a vaccine to shot to our patient. So they started to realize, well, we have the decision power. We can design the flow together with this same team. And so I think that's a, a, to, to create that safe environment for them to open up, to really empower themselves. Lily, let me tell you, I would label this uh, medical supply drawer this way. Okay, I said, great, um, do that. And every morning huddle, midday huddle, and end of day huddle, we do reflection. That's so important for the team to come together to learn because remind, remind uh, our audience here is these nurses are flow team or IA contract nurses. They flew in, it's Christmas time, they flew in, they are away from their family. They're, they're here to serve our patients for a, big, to, for a bigger cause to stop the pandemic. So we ask them daily, what do you need? What, what is that one thing that you will need to make your uh, day better? And sometimes it's simply a cup of coffee because they couldn't get enough sleep. It's long hour days and they don't know where the Starbucks is. So sometimes just go out of the way to bring a cup of coffee for them. And then it changes the whole dynamic of the room. So Ling has been in and out of the small ECOP, uh, our first small clinic. We deliver about three to four vaccines, three to 400 vaccines per day. It's not a big production. But we learned so much from that clinic, from engaging people, develop people, uh, problem solving skills, show them how to uh, use a very basic visual management. For example, at the beginning, the runners don't know which nurse is ready. So I asked the nurse, what would you do? One of them came forward, says, Lily, if we can have a green and yellow sign on each of our stations on the, on the screen, I think that will help our runners to see if I'm ready. Because when I'm not with patient, does not mean I'm ready. I'm drawing the vaccines. I'm filling the, uh, the immunization cards. Does that mean I'm ready? So I'm tired of he keep asking me, so can I just put up a sign? So the traffic control, the traffic light signal helped our team tremendously. Also, they're so encouraged. Oh, we can do the small things to make our day way better. So that's the first um, very, very small test of the experiment of Ling uh, process improvement uh, for the vaccine site. Lily, that's such a great, you just gave great examples of fundamentals and respect for people. I especially love the reflection piece and really keeping a cycle of learning 
you obviously made it very clear that people were allowed and encouraged to give input. And once they saw that, I'm sure that accelerated, but you clearly it's the little things that made the big differences. And that's just exciting. That must've been a very exciting thing to be a part of. Very rewarding. By the end of the 14 hour days, we were recharged, we were energized. As a team, we celebrate every day. We have a flip chart set up. We celebrate what went well and we uh, hand off to next morning's team, what, what have we learned of the day? Mm-hmm. Well, we're to a close about how much time we have at the Just-In-Time Cafe with our friends here. But I do have to ask one last question. Well, and tell maybe a little short story. So what's really funny is Lily is so wonderful. I reached out to her and I asked her if she could give me a tour of the Petco Superstation. She met me on her Saturday. And of course, I posted the pictures. I was so grateful that she was able to spend that time with me. And of course, Mark Graben says, I want to go. And so then we said, okay, let's go to Remac and let's go see what they're doing over there. And so Mark and I were able to meet Lily and Brian and the rest of the team over at Remac to see what you guys were doing over there. And I can't end this interview without asking you at least how a little bit about Remac and what you did to get that set up in one week's notice, number one, and what were some of the things that you incorporated into the Remac facility that related to lean concepts? So can we can we just um, spend a little time on that? Would that be okay? For sure. And so, um, yeah, that's a great, um, great question. So yes, the, 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 the bottom line was we had to stand up a super site to vaccinate our patients in a very short amount of time, um, a week. And uh, one of the things we did initially to help us to be able to achieve that is we did a quick pause and looked all around us. Over the past year, there have been many uh, COVID-related processes stood up to either test or vaccinate patients um, that we wanted to, to better understand what, if we had to do it over, if we could make some changes, what would that be and what did we learn? Again, this is the hindsight of the reflections from the past would be, what did we learn? What do we wanna keep doing and what would we have changed? And so as Lily shared, we had, we had the ECOB, which was the, the employee vaccination centers. We had multiple drive up locations for testing throughout our community that we had set up using lean principles. We had walk up testing. We had a Petco, which is basically the, the Padres, uh, uh, baseball um, large facility or parking lot where we had set up now for vaccinations of our community. And so what we did is looked around and we quickly realized that many of these principles would directly um, work to stand up the REMAC, which is on our UC San Diego uh, campus, but it's the differences. It would be a walk-in, a walk-in a clinic for vaccinating our patients. And so, again, with that, there were some searches throughout our community to find a location. We did find the location, and uh, one of the things we did is, is I'm going to use the term a three P. So Ashley Gambier basically pulled together the the lean team, had already talked to some of the operational leaders around what are the volumes that are required, days of, you know, hours per week, et cetera. We had all the data we needed to understand what problem we needed to really solve. And then so we modeled out, instead of 13 ways, we didn't have time, but we did like our three ways uh, and how we could achieve these, these, these goals of vaccinating up, upwards of 5,000 patients per day in less than a week. 
And uh, again, with, with that background of understanding what we had done in the past, other examples, we put together different models. We modeled out uh, different flows, different layouts. And uh, we really came to a couple of conclusions. Number one, that perhaps we weren't willing to take a risk to do something to breakthrough. And so we sort of compromised. We came up with a hybrid model, which is called the pit stop model. And again, this pit stop model relies solely really on, on being able to collect the necessary information in our EHR at one table with a, a clinical vaccinator who's who simultaneously uh, being able to deliver the vaccine. And so that model really came about through experimentation um, over, over a year and how best to do that. And some of the technology that we used is now like a handheld rover. Uh, we're able to basically scan a QR code and bring up patient information immediately into uh, the, their patient records and be able to scan in the vaccination with a lot of the date of thaw. And uh, again, this is just was a big breakthrough. If you look back three months prior to, we had computers, those big wow stations, and uh, very much um, uh, it relied on a lot of keystrokes. And over the past three months, we're able to put together some process that can flow upwards of 5,000 people very efficiently using technology. And most importantly, as Lily had shared nicely, was the culture at Remac is very much centered around the people. Um, and that's really building that environment of, of trust and safety that everybody feels safe to bring forward ideas and is empowered uh, to help support and deliver that vac vaccination because we have one purpose and that's again, to save lives and to basically put vaccine in arms. And so Lily, would you like to share a little bit more about that? Sure, yeah, that's uh, amazing that uh, from zero uh, at Remac, uh, we've, we've built it from scratch, right? And by the end of third or fourth week, we had 30,000 volunteers sign up to support the site. That's tremendous energy support from our community. And these are long hours days without any reimbursement. All there is is a pat on the shoulder, good job. And if you ask our uh, volunteers and uh, their experience that they said, you know, patients come to me, tell me how well organized the site is. Mm -hmm. Tell me how grateful they are to have the vaccine as early as they can get. To, to tell us the flow goes really well. It only takes us minimum, take them minimum about 15 to 30 minutes to go through the whole process. They they'll share with you, this is what keep them, keep coming back to support our site. And uh, come back to the, the point of the learning of the process wide uh, that from Remac, I would uh, probably pivot a little bit here is to we as Lean Team as well, we continue to improve that tech, uh, the process time, the touch time at our nursing station where the patient value is delivered. However, sometimes we, when we get together, when we look at the value add versus non-value added general, 90%, 10% proportion, right? 10% that value added time, that's we touch patient's time. We constantly improve that every day. We have come up team as new ideas. And then we step, step back, how about that 90% of the non-value added time, right? The process, like Brian says, we improve the rover. So it, it saves time for patients to wait in line, the long line um, from day prior, try to log into the website, to try to get appointments. 
and then the highway traffic. All of this was contributed to that 90% that non-value at patient care, right? So our team has shipped a lot of energy tried to solve the problem up, upstream, starting of the journey when the patient started to spend their late night hours trying to get appointment online. A lot of involvement, a lot of technology happened and all geared toward that purpose of our value is to deliver that vaccine to our patients, to stop this that pandemic. <laughs> yes, that kind of goes. Well, again, I, I thank you. We want to thank you for coming to the cafe and sharing a little, giving, giving the audience a little insight about what you're doing, the great things you're doing to impact healthcare, the, the way you've implemented process improvement into a crisis. Thank you so much. I wish I could spend another hour with you and get another mocha latte, but unfortunately we can't. We're out of time now, but I look forward to hearing from you more again in the future. So again, thank you so much for coming today. Great to meet you, Lily and Brian. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you again. It's been a pleasure being here today. My pleasure. Always nice chatting with you ladies. Thank you so much for having us. Don't forget to register for our May 6th webinar with Jim Athon, where he'll expand on different ways of mapping processes, color coding, creating deployment or swim lane maps, with timelines, IT system flows, Gantt charts, spaghetti maps. Uh, he's a map king and he's an awesome teacher. It's gonna be a great uh, webinar, please register. Also sign up for our May 20th webinar with Brian Elms of the Change and Innovation Agency with Sabrina McLeod from Port St. Lucie, Florida, hear about how they've applied process improvement concepts to benefit the city. And tune in for next month's podcast episode where we interview Debbie Barnard, a global healthcare executive with over 20 years of experience in the areas of strategic deployment, and prioritizing quality as a core business strategy. She'll be joining us from Dubai, where she's on assignment as a consultant for the Joint Commission International. If you're looking for training on how to become a better leader, register for our Lean Six Sigma Leader course at UC San Diego, which starts June 1. Stay tuned for all the news by joining our community at the JIT Cafe. That's J-I-T-C-A-F-E dot com. And if you want to improve your problem-solving skills, listening skills, and your ability to react better in the moment, come join Elizabeth's June 16th Improv Workshop in the Moment, How to Apply Improv to Lean Problem-Solving. I participated in the first workshop, and trust me, you've never been to a training like this. The point is not about being funny, but it is fun, and people were funny. So Elizabeth does a great job of weaving improv concepts with problem-solving skills. You do not want to miss this. We'll include the link so you can register right away. Sign up. It's awesome. We just ran another one yesterday and it rocked. It did. We're happy it's finally spring and we're thrilled that you've joined us. The Just In Time Cafe is so much better with all of you. It sure is. And we hope you enjoyed your jolt of lean caffeine. <laughs>